What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Run This, the show for serious runners and athletes, hosted by a guy who isn't really serious about anything. That guy is me. I'm Chris Luminati. And this week, my guest is Jonathan Levin. Jonathan is a runner, a cyclist, and he actually hosts his own podcast for runners called For the Long Run. You might think that that would make us rivals, you know, since we both kind of do the same thing, but nah. Way more people listen to his podcast. <laughs> and now Jonathan's a good guy. And now we actually talk a little bit about podcasting. Uh, we talk about running. We talk about moving. He is actually moving today. As this episode drops, he's moving today. Luckily, only 10 minutes down the road. So while moving can be stressful, he's not really going that far. So it's probably not that bad. Also, he's still packing as we're doing this interview. He's not packing while we're doing the interview but he's still uh, in the middle of packing his life up and moving it to a house that he bought. So uh, we talk about that. Um, a little bit about Jonathan besides, um, you know, being a runner and uh, cyclist and hosting a podcast. He's also uh, the sales and, and endurance team manager for Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is this personalized nutrition system that it analyzes your blood, your DNA, and uh, your lifestyle, and it helps to optimize your body and to reach your goals. So it'll basically do a deep dive into your body to tell you all the things you're doing right and wrong and uh, optimize your nutrition and your lifestyle to basically make you like a more well-running machine. This isn't, this isn't an ad for Inside Tracker. I was checking it out. It's just It's pretty cool. This is, I'm just kind of plugging the product or the, uh, the company because I think, I think it's a cool thing. Um, Jonathan and I talk about that for a little bit. We talk about sleep and how important sleep is. And we basically just have a good conversation about running. But uh, before I get into that conversation, one more quick reminder that the show survives on word of mouth and positive reviews. So if you could share the show with uh, friends, uh, go on iTunes, leave a positive review, follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook and and anywhere else that the show is, and uh, just kind of spread the word. And help me out here. I have a lot of great guests coming up, and I'd like as many people as possible to listen to the show. And I can't do that without your help. So if you could do that, that'd be greatly appreciated. One more uh, interesting thing before we get into my talk with Jonathan. Before I sat down to talk with him, I went for a run, naturally. I don't know. I mean, I run every morning, but it just happened to be like the only time I could run was literally right before our interview. And uh, I felt pretty good going out there, you know, um, didn't feel any different, didn't feel any worse, just was like, okay, I've got these things to do and uh, I got to get this run in. It was a little cooler than usual. It's been uh, a bit warmer around here for October. I'm in New Jersey, for those that don't know. And it was, a little, it was we had like a couple of days there last week where it was like mid 80s and it was crazy. Temperatures dropped a little bit. I would say yesterday morning, it was probably high 50s, I would say. And uh, I don't know. I went out in only shorts and a t-shirt, a uh, little cold in the beginning of the run, but I felt good. And I, I think maybe the, the the briskness of the weather or there was just something inside of me that, I don't know, I ran my fastest 10K ever, like ever, ever. Um, and I don't know, like I kind of, I felt good during the run, but then after I would say maybe the second mile and I looked at my first two times, the first two splits, and I was like, 
wow, I'm actually, I'm actually running pretty good today. And then after the third one and I was, you know, improving with each one, I was like, wow, I kind of, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of gonna have a good day here. And when I finished up, it ended up being my fastest 10 K. And I guess the lesson there for everyone is that you just don't know, like when you go out there and run, you just don't know what kind of day you're going to have, but just take it in stride. And that is not a pun. Uh, you know, if you're not having the greatest running day, you know, just go, all right, I'll, I'll kill it tomorrow. If you're having a great running day, kind of own up to the minute and be like, you know, I did pretty good there, you know, kind of give yourself a pat on the back. But whatever happens, whatever the day is, just always keep in mind that no matter what, you got the run in and, and you did it and you completed it. And that's always the most important thing. I, I like to tell people, especially when it comes to working out. But a lot of the things when people come to me for questions about running advice or, or, or writing advice or, or life advice, I always like to say something is better than nothing. So if you ran today and you had an awful run, well, a, a run is better than no run. You know, if you sat down to write at a computer and just nothing but crap came out of your fingertips, well, at least you sat down and write to write and that would that's going to make you better for next time. So something is better than nothing. But anybody uh, going out there? for the run today and they just, they're not feeling it, just, just do it anyway. Or if you're going out there and you feel amazing, kind of just take it in stride and be like, all right, don't get too crazy here. Just go and do what you know how to do. Uh, I guess the most important thing there is just to, you know, just to run, which is, I know it always seems like the most important thing. So yeah, so Jonathan and I actually talk about that stuff. We talk about me breaking my 10 K. Uh, we talk about motivation. We talk about a lot of stuff. And uh, it was overall just a good conversation. It's it's good to talk to someone else who does this. I don't want to say for a living because uh, neither of us really do it for a living, but two people who have the same passion project, I would say. So that part was fun. Um, yeah, so here's uh, me and uh, Jonathan Levitt. And we're back, everybody, and we are here with Jonathan Levitt. Jonathan, how are you? I am doing well. I just finished a run, uh, still on that that high, and uh, we're we're having a good day today. How are you? I, I'm actually doing well. I just finished my run too. Uh, I had a little bit of a crazy experience. I just broke my PR for uh, 10k. Nice in just a Tuesday morning run. Uh, just a Tuesday morning run, and it felt really good. And I, but I, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about first. I it didn't feel any different than any other day. I actually went out. Um, maybe the weather had a little bit, something to do with it, a little bit more brisk this morning, a little bit, you know, trying to get it over with. And I just, did you ever have one of those times when you just don't feel any different, but you run much better? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I call that flow. <laughs> I love it. It okay. doesn't happen often, but uh, when it does, it's, it's lovely. But how long does it usually take you to like, i I was probably make maybe like a mile into it. And I was like, okay, today feels pretty good. Like, do you know before that? Yeah. I mean, some days you just, it, everything clicks and it feels perfect and mm -hmm. idyllic. And like, those are the days that are just so fun. Hopefully sometimes it lines up with a race day, but. Yeah. That, that, that sometimes is rare. Do, do you ever feel like sometimes you think it's going to be a great day and you get out there and you're just like, okay, I just bit it hard. Yeah, this past Monday or last Monday. <laughs> okay, what happened? What happened? 
uh, Boston Marathon. I I thought I was gonna have myself a great day, and the weather was just shit. And uh, yeah, so was my stomach. Oh, you so your stomach? Did you uh, you woke up with a bad stomach? No, I I I overfueled in the morning. I like made the mistake of doing something new on race day, basically doubling my intake in the morning, uh-huh. and uh, probably shouldn't have done that. Was that the plan, or you just decided that morning? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay it was bad it was a bad idea i mean like normally i like eat a picky bar and go for a 20 mile run and like fuel in the run uh-huh. and for whatever reason i mean i i was anticipating like a 10 o'clock 10 30 start and i woke up at six mm-hmm. uh, so i was like i need to get calories in but um i had i had oatmeal and a picky bar for breakfast and then another picky bar on the bus and then roctane drink on the bus mm-hmm. uh and that's like three times what I normally consume pre-run. So go figure. Do you think it was just nerves? Yeah. I was like, I don't want to be hungry. <laughs> I definitely wasn't hungry. <laughs> uh, yeah. You weren't going to be hungry. Sometimes like I do that and I realize that a lot of my quote unquote hunger is just really boredom. And I usually yeah. don't get bored in the middle of a race, especially the Boston Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, fair point. <laughs> but I, I could, I could get. I mean, like, but that's one thing. I, I don't like changing things up on race day because I don't know how my stomach's going to react the other way. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> so I try to avoid like going. Okay, my stomach going. All right, what the hell did you do? We're gonna make you pay for this. <laughs> so I try to stay away from that. I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you? You just didn't do as well as you thought, or you were going to? Yeah, I mean. I- I, I wasn't planning to race Boston. I was planning to just run it. Um, hmm. And I thought, I thought that, you know, I had been, I'd been, pu- I put in a ton of miles over the summer. My longest long run was 24 miles and I ran eight the next day. And so like we did that so that I could run 26 and then recover and keep training and like properly race a marathon in December. Um, and so I was going into it like thinking like a, 257 305 range would be like not a race effort but like um doable like on a on a decent day without you know exhausting myself um <laughs> i ran 336 so i was nowhere <laughs> close to that mm-hmm. uh, but my yeah it was just like it's the the marathon is just humbling right like you mm-hmm. never know what you're gonna get peter bromka says the marathon doesn't know you anything um and it doesn't. Mm. How long uh, did you go for a run the next day after? No, no. I took five days off. Okay. Um, I have taken as little as three days off, and I've taken as many as three weeks off. Um, and I let the body do the talking when it comes to uh, post-marathon. Mm. Do you think the fact that we were just we were just discussing before we jumped on that you are now getting ready to move, do you think that had something to do with it? For sure, yeah. Um, I bought a house and closed four days after the marathon Mm. um or three days after and so i I don't think i accounted for like the stress as like the life stress aspect Mm. um i had a bunch of flights you know personal stuff you know good stuff but um, all sorts of things didn't lead to like a a low stress environment Mm -hmm. um and stress is stress so yeah, uh, I just didn't account for it. And I was running higher mileage than I had run in a couple of years and doing it at altitude. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just all piles on top. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people don't account for, I mean, you train your body for a marathon and you somewhat train your mind for a marathon, but people don't put into the fact that like a couple of days before, like life is still going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden you get something thrown at you and it just kind of like takes you off of your kind of race mentality or training mentality. So um, how would you suggest people like prepare for the week before a marathon and, and say like, okay, how will I react if something goes wrong? Not training wise, but like life wise. Um, I would say don't go to a bachelor party the week before. Oh, <laughs> that's all right. All right. Was it a travel? Was it, you had to travel for it? Uh, I was in Rhode Island and I was in Boston. Okay. Um, so it was like a two hour drive, but yeah, I think that you just have to give yourself grace, right? Like most of us aren't professional runners. We have other things going on and like you can't put yourself in a silo and uh, or in a bubble and expect everything else to be perfect because that's not what life is. Like, again, we're not professional runners and professional runners have to deal with this kind of stuff too. Mm. Um, so I think that it comes down to knowing like your limits when it comes to um, social stuff and sleep and like – making sleep a priority more than ever like sure go do your social stuff but like go to bed and sleep eight hours and and if that's not a priority year-round like make it a priority pre-race and that can help balance some of the other stuff out um i was having a conversation with my coach uh on sun saturday and he had commented on how my life my social life was much busier here in boulder versus boston particularly you know at a different stage in the pandemic um and i was like but i'm an extrovert like i love people i get so much energy from talking to people and being with people he's like yeah psychologically sure but physiologically no it's, it's still stress like you're out at night and you're doing stuff and you're on your feet and you're this and that and so even those of us who like you host a podcast, you probably enjoy talking to people like mm. most of us who like enjoy the social stuff, like it's still a drain on our resources and particularly heading into race weekend, you got to account for that. I, I did do something better than um, I had done in the past at Boston. And so one of the problems with major marathons is there's so much stuff to do in the few days leading up to it. And so I ran Boston in 2017. And Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was away from home from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., like doing stuff, meeting people, seeing things, going to events. Mm. And I would come home with like 30,000 steps and feeling like I did a long run. Mm -hmm. And I did that three days in a row. And my race was shot at mile seven. I lasted a little bit longer in Boston <laughs> this year and PR'd my blow up pace, but blow up time by 25 minutes. But, um, yeah, it's just life. Life is life. Stress is stress. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even like it didn't even dawn on me that you put it like you put in 30,000 steps the day before. I mean, that's 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 like three two workouts. Times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like two or three workouts. Um, getting back to uh, the mentality and the, the sleep thing. One of the thing that's and everyone know, I mean, maybe not everyone, but most people know that sleep is incredibly important. Except the only problem is sleep is one of the only thing that try as you might, you still might not be able to get sleep. Like you could 
change your diet or you can adjust your diet. You can adjust everything else you're training, but you want to go to sleep. But if your body's like, nah, not tonight, it, you're just not going to sleep. So how do you account for that type of issue? So the, I do think nutrition can play a huge role. I think a lot of the issues that people have with sleep are around nutritional deficiencies or stress. It's mm -hmm. a lot easier to fix the nutritional deficiencies versus fixing stress. So I work at Inside Tracker and we do personalized nutrition through blood analysis. And one of the goals you can select is improve sleep. And so it looks at your magnesium levels, your vitamin D levels, things like that. And for me, unless I stay on top of those things, those levels get low. And so um, I use a product called Beam and it's like a natural sleep aid that has magnesium and some other stuff. And I take that and I'm out in 10 minutes and yeah. like it's restorative sleep. It's fantastic. Um, same thing with vitamin D. Like when you bring that level up, it, it helps with melatonin production. And so you can just fall asleep and stay asleep. So I think that a lot of people that struggle with sleep, medical issues aside, 75% of it can be addressed through nutrition, but you have to know where you're, where you're at and you know what you need. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't listen to this and say, okay, cool. I'm going to take a vitamin D and a magnesium supplement. Mm. Um, overdoing magnesium gives you diarrhea. So don't do that. Mm. Um, vitamin D is fat soluble. So it's a little less risky to overdo it, but, um, that would be what I would say there. I think that, um, we want to do everything we can to, to, give ourselves the best chance of having a good night's sleep and getting to sleep and staying asleep. And the problem is, like you said, it's like not, it's not like one of those like sexy things to do, like get Normatec boots or, or get a massage or whatever. Mm. Um, and there's so much drawing our attention away from going to sleep. Mm. Um, blue light blocker glasses help if you're going to use your phone, you know, after 6 PM, things like that. Uh, it's just like curating the best environment for sleep that you can and then creating routine and going to bed at the same time every day. Yeah, that one I always have a problem with. I'm the uh, go to bed when I feel tired guy, except I don't always feel tired. But then I'll look at the clock and I'll be like, all right, it's after 11 o'clock. You literally have to get into bed. Right. Yeah. So that's the one. But I've always had that problem, like since I was a kid. But you gotta take that beam. Take just drink the cup down. You'll be asleep <laughs> in ten minutes. Yeah, you know, I I do take. <laughs> I, I I would consider it. I do take melatonin. Yeah. Um, that helps. I, I've always had this problem too, where like I'll fall asleep immediately. I'll be out for like five or ten minutes, and then I'll like wake up, and then I'm up. Yeah, it's the weirdest feeling. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes there's like loud noises involved. I looked that up. That's actually a an issue that people have. Where you hear loud crashing or like it sounds like a gunshot goes off and really there's no sounds. That's like a whole different scary thing. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's got um, it. OK, so you, you're falling asleep. You're it, it, it can sometimes happen when you when you're in sleep. But normally it's like that. The phase when you're kind of just nodding off and you're having those like crazy thoughts or something. It either involves a loud noise, like something falling in the house that hasn't really fallen a gunshot or like I'm falling down steps or like I'm falling into a pool. There's some type of huh. falling sensation. Interesting. That like wakes me back up and I'm up. Huh. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I feel like I might even have a, like a touch of sleep apnea possibly <laughs> again, things that I could all check out that I have not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, moving is something that would keep you up forever. And you're moving in, you said two days? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, here's something I stupidly did on the day of my move. And I moved to myself. Uh, on the day of my move, I ran three miles that morning and then moved all my own stuff. And I immediately regretted it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, that's like the runner mentality. What What is it about us that we would do stuff like that? I don't know. It's just it's just the routine. <laughs> Are you do you plan on do you plan on running tomorrow? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I hired movers, so I'll they'll take care of that. I I tried to hire movers. They kind of no showed me. <laughs> oh wow! I really hope that doesn't happen because I don't want to move. <laughs> well, okay. So I won't say they no showed me. They they waited to the last minute to give me an estimate, and the estimate was insane. So uh, I ended yeah, up just yeah, getting yeah. the U-Haul and doing it Got myself. It. So. Yeah. Kind of partially my fault. Good estimate. <laughs> How far are you moving? Uh, about 10 minutes. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. I moved 40 minutes. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't seem like a long distance until I got to my new place with a truck full of stuff and realized that I left the keys to my new place at my old place. <laughs> so I did that once. So I'm splitting time between Boston and Boulder. And I got to Boston and realized that my keys were in Boulder. <laughs> what did you do? My roommate's cousin had a set of keys around the corner, but I was like, oh my God, what if she wasn't there? Oh God. Yeah. I'll tell you what's, what happens if there's no one there. You have to drive 40 minutes back. back. Yeah. It was yeah. the worst. That was the worst. I, I'll say 80 minutes. That was the worst 80 minutes of my life. Cause I had to go with a full truck all the <laughs> way back to just pick up a set of keys to drive 40 minutes back. I, I would have entered through a window if, uh, if, if she if she wasn't there, uh, you could have been. I'm on the third floor. <laughs> yeah, got it. So I, I I was screwed no matter what. Like trust me, I was with my cousin. We tried like everything, so we couldn't you know couldn't uh, couldn't think of anything to get in. Um, so you said you're splitting your time. You're now in Boulder. Uh, when you were looking at places to move, like the actual house house, did you consider like running areas around you? I mean, the, the cool thing about Boulder is that everything is a running area and mm -hmm. everywhere is a good place to run. Um, the, the house that I'm buying is right near a path that I run a few times a week mm -hmm. and I've been driving there and that now it's a mile away. So I can oh, cool. run, run to it and then run it and then run home. Um, so, yeah, so it definitely it definitely played a factor, but anywhere in Boulder is a good place to run. Yeah, I, I have oiled in that regard. Yeah, you are. Uh, I'm, I was in a part of New Jersey where I was a lot closer to a lot of open land and running. Now I'm more suburban where it's like, you got to cross a couple kind of highways to get to that stuff. I mean, unless you drive to it, but like, you gotta, like, so, but I did consider where I was going and like, what was close to like parks and stuff. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people, especially runners kind of, you take that in consideration. You're like, okay, well, where am I going to be able to run around right. here? Yeah. So uh, that yeah, was there are of... a couple of tracks nearby and, and mm. paths and some of the trails that I like a lot are now 10 minutes closer. That's good. That helps. Uh, do you bike too? Do you yeah. bike? Cause you showed me your bikes before when you showed me yeah. your half empty house. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was reading on your website that you uh, recently finished your first 50 K. So that needs to be updated because okay. recently that was 2018. Okay. So not that recent. <laughs> so the photo, the, the photo is, uh, of me finishing my first 50 K. Okay. Um, and I guess it's the only 50 K I've run too. So it was my last 50 K. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was in, uh, in Tahoe. 
what made you want to do that? <clears throat> so I have been working at Inside Tracker since 2014. And I've like, as part of that, I've gotten to know and work with a lot of ultra runners and then have become friends with a lot of ultra runners. So it just became normal to like think about running 50K, 50 miles, 100 miles. And I was like, I kind of want to experience that. And so I signed up for a 50K in California and ended up getting canceled due to wildfires in um, Northern California. But we, we ended up going out to Tahoe because the air was cleaner there, uh, being that it was higher up. We did our own thing. We did a fundraiser. We raised $20,000 for um, people who were impacted by the fires. And um, that photo is me finishing with a shit-eating grin on my face <laughs> uh, into, a, into a parking lot full of my friends and people I had just met, um, all who came out to like just support the community and just have, a, have ourselves a day. Mm. Um, so that was seven hours of, of absolute bliss. And most of it was, was perfect. Mm. Uh, what parts weren't perfect? Uh, miles 20 through 25. Okay. That's very specific. Why, why is that? <laughs> uh, I was just hit that. Like, that's where I hit my, my low point, my low mm. energy. Um, I ran, uh, with a group of four friends and we basically, none of us ever had low points at the same time. Mm -hmm. but we had high points at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was a really cool way to experience it. My friend ran her first marathon on that day. We ran 25 miles together. Um, and yeah, there were four of us, Brian, Katie, Jenny, and I, um, Katie and Jenny ran marathon distance and Brian and I ran 50 K and at mile, like, I don't know, 28, we're coming downhill. We had just hit two peaks and, Brian says, John, I got a problem. I was like, uh, what? He's like, I can't stop smiling. <laughs> and he's got this like shit eating grin on his face. And I'm like, man, this is just awesome. I had never run that far. Every step was my furthest, um, was my, was the furthest I'd ever traveled. And it was just a really cool way to, um, experience that distance. So you touched on something there that I'm kind of having, uh, not an issue with, but I'm, I'm kind of like, going back and forth on. So I want to do an ultra something. I talk to a lot of ultra runners on here. And I feel like part of it is because when I talk to ultra runners, I'm talking to other people who don't think it's crazy. But in my regular life, if I were to mention it to people, they would call me crazy. And it I is crazy, but it's, it's like, it's, it's accessible. And so I love marathons and mm -hmm. I love ultras and I love them for very different reasons. I think a marathon is, is an excellent way to objectively compare yourself to yourself mm -hmm. and see pro tangible progress and get the best out of yourself and be able to measure it with numbers. Um, I think that works for some people. I think it works for me sometimes. And then with ultras, it's truly a way to like experience life in, in a different way. And uh, have you been, have you been to an ultra? I have not. No, you got to go to a hundred miler because okay. the, the, the people, first of all, the people that go to a hundred miler are the best people I've ever met. Um, you have people who have dedicated their entire weekend, not just a morning to helping other people achieve their dreams. And so that, that draws a certain type of person, the best kind of person. Um, and to see the like sheer tenacity and like 
desire to carry on that these people experience despite having some of the highest highs and lowest lows it's it's incredible um i got to pace a friend in a hundred miler this summer and we ran from mile 54 to 66 it took us seven hours to go 12 miles Mm. and i saw her i'd never seen a human in worse condition um mentally or physically and she kept going Mm-hmm. And so it's this reminder that like, no matter how hard it gets, first of all, it can get harder. And second of all, you can just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked her up. We went, we did one summit. We came back down basically at sunrise. And then we, we went up again and we're climbing a 4,000 foot climb over four miles. And it broke her mm-hmm. on the up. Um, she was 30 hours into her run and um, I was four hours into mine and to see like a person dig that deep and then dig deeper and then keep going when like, she couldn't think she was hallucinating. She told me she saw Indiana Jones. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is going on in your head right now? And it's your brain, like with it, trying to cope and trying to like protect you. Um, but I saw her sitting on the trail, just like, what are we going to do? Like, we got to keep going. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't stop. And it's just like the, the epitome of the human condition, right? No matter what happens, keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's, it's such a different world than road running. And it's an experience that I wish everyone could have. Whether, it, you know, it doesn't need to be a 100 miler, but... Um, just being on trails for four, five, six, seven plus hours. Mm. It's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like running from buffet table to buffet <laughs> table and eating fun foods and like having a good time with your friends and pace doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, and it's just a good time. And I can't wait to do my next 50 K. But, well, but let me ask this. So when you're pacing her and I know the whole time or most of the time you're probably going, all right, I got to keep her spirits up. I got to keep her going. She's got to do this. But when she starts mentioning that she sees Indiana Jones at any point, are you like, maybe I should tell her I should stop? <laughs> so, so we were at 11,000 feet about to hit a summit, mm-hmm. about to hit um, uh, the top of this ridge. And like, what are you going to do? stop and like have somebody come pick you up like that's not an option right uh so it's it it was the conversation that i had with her was very much like you don't have any options but to keep moving forward Mm. and that's about as raw and that's about as raw as it gets and like that's about as simple as it gets um the only other time i've experienced something like this was I did rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon um, and took about 13 hours. It was 42 miles. And the, the first 10K is entirely downhill and the last 10K is entirely uphill. And then you have that in the middle on the other side. Um, and so the last stretch is 6,000 feet of climbing uh, over a 10K. <laughs> and this took me three hours, three and a half hours. And so I'm about 10, 11 hours into the day. The sun is starting to set and I'm just trashed. And 
it's the same thing. It's like, what are you going to do? Like get a helicopter to come pick you up? Boom, mm-hmm. $15,000 later. No, mm-hmm. you, you don't have any option. You just have to keep going no matter what condition you're in. And I, so I think that's why, I think that's why trail running or ultra running in particular is so helpful for humans because it's this like forced, you must carry on um, mentality. Mm. And honestly, it helps me in, in life, in work, in relationships, in like any other aspect because of like these lessons that we, that we learn that are just like, so meaningless, like they're just so, you know, trivial on their own. We're choosing to go suffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, it's fun at the same time. Have you taken any of the, what are just some of the things you've taken from what you've learned while doing the ultras and training, like to your regular life? You said like it helped you with like relationships and work. Like what are some of the translatable? I mean, the, the whole like idea of getting uncomfortable and getting comfortable, getting uncomfortable, like stasis or a lack of change is the most dangerous condition Mm. for anyone or anything. Um, and it's, but it's easy and it's easy not to make an effort and it's easy not to, um, get uncomfortable. It's easy to not have the hard conversations. And so the only way to, it's like muscle memory. Like the more you do of it, the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's never Mm -hmm. easy. It's the same thing with like running faster. Like the more you run faster, the easier it is to run faster. And it doesn't get easier. You just run faster. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing with um, challenges. It's the same thing with difficult conversations. It's the same thing with, you know, anything like that. And so I think that uh, running is this sandbox where if you fail, it doesn't really matter unless you die or, you know, break a limb or something. But that's rare. Um, so it's this opportunity to practice failure and practice, um, like desensitize yourself to putting yourself out there. Mm. It's funny. Cause you just mentioned that and how I said in the beginning of this, that like I broke my own 10 K personal record. The only change that I could think that I've made was I was slightly underdressed today and it was cold. And so that made me run slightly faster. And now it's kind of aggravating that I think about it because of what you just said. And I'm like, is that really all it took for me to run faster was just being slightly colder? Like, again, that's kind of frustrating, you know, when you think about stuff like that. <laughs> so like, like, should I be positive or negative about the experience? Like happy that I broke it, but been like, I mean, wait. you've never done, you did something you never done. You should be happy. Right. But I, but we're humans. We tend to focus on the, well, what about all those other times? Sure. Yeah, but you'd never done it. So you did it. True. So I guess, uh, so the, with the ultra thing, if, if I at least try it, well, I'm going to, I'll probably go check one out first, but if I should try it, I should be like, look, it's, it's something that you've never done. So give yourself some slack. Exactly. <laughs> it, but don't call a helicopter. <laughs> don't call a helicopter. Um, were, were there any moments in the middle of the race when you were kind of like, okay, let's call the helicopter. <laughs> Honestly, that was pretty damn close. But um, at uh, when I was pacing or in the canyon, in the canyon. Um, no, I mean I like jokingly say that, but it's um, 
that was the deepest I'd ever dug. And the like, it was also the longest I'd ever been on my feet. It was just under 13 hours for the 42 miles. And I don't know, there's something about like pushing through these hard things and then looking back on what you've done and being really, really freaking proud of, of it. And the cool thing with the canyon was you could literally look back and see the other side of the canyon. And it's, it's so far away. Mm-hmm. It's 20, it's, you know, 21 miles by trail, but um, you can see that and you can see the river. Like, and so it's, it looks fake because it's like so impressively awesome. Um, so it was really cool to like look back and see, you know, what we had like conquered, quote unquote. Right. Um, are you one of those people where when you're done something like that, do you realize the uh, what you've done in that moment? Or does it take you like two or three weeks to go? Holy crap, I did that. Um, I couldn't sleep that night because my quads were so thrashed and they were like literally like gyrating. So the the self-awareness was pretty sudden of what I, what I had done. <laughs> Um, when you looked back on it a couple of weeks later, did you kind of maybe, I don't want to say like played armchair quarterback, but were you kind of like, Oh, I, I could have worked on this or I could have did this. Or you just were just like, you know what? I did it. And that's no, all. I was just proud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. We weren't going for a time. It was like a group of 15 friends that were just like out to have a, have a time mm-hmm. and a good time. And, uh, yeah, I mean like maybe would have drank a little bit more water and fueled a little bit more, but um, all things considered, it was a pretty successful day. Mm. Uh, So you also host a podcast about running. I do. Yeah. And one of the things that you uh, talk about on your podcast is uh, you like to keep people motivated to run. Why do you think people lose motivation to run? That's a good question. Um, So, the only way to be good at running is to be consistent and, or have great genes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that people get frustrated when they don't see immediate results. Mm-hmm. And when they get into running, you know, the first three weeks suck. And if you, if you don't stay consistent, just in general, it's hard. And it, like you, you don't get that flow state that you probably experienced this morning. And that doesn't come without consistency. And so it's like a, it's a feet, it's like a vicious loop or a vicious feedback loop where it doesn't feel good. So you don't feel good doing it. So you stop doing it. So that stops it from feeling good. Whereas if you flip that, the more you do it, the better it feels and the better the results are. And so it's like, you just have to start and you just have to stay consistent. And for those who are listening that might say, Oh, but it doesn't ever feel good. It's like, well, I challenge you to, you know, if you run a couple of days a week for a couple of weeks, and then, you know, when it gets cold out, you stop doing that. Like I would challenge you to run three days a week for the next six months and, you know, see how it feels or four days a week or whatever you can tolerate five, five days a week. Um, but that's, I think, I think the motivation follows consistency and you sort of have, it's like fake it till you make it right. Mm. Um, on the, on the flip side, if you are consistent and the motivation is waning, 
then it's a time to look at the stress and um, it, maybe you're doing too much and maybe you should be less consistent. Hmm. Um, but again, that's where, you know, if you work with a coach, that's a good thing to talk about with your coach or um, a running friend or, you know, something like that. How do you, um, how do you suggest people like when, when should a person know if they should start working with a coach? I think everyone should, if they can afford it, hmm. I think everybody should work with a coach. Um, I think the benefit of working with a coach is way more than just running. Um, I talk about running, I don't know, 25% of the time with my coach and the other 75% it's life stuff. Mm -hmm. And he factors that into how I train, uh, and makes changes when needed. But, um, I think everyone would benefit from a coach, particularly newer runners. Mm -hmm. Uh, I sometimes when I'm not feeling motivated, my motivation is usually con pretty consistent, but there's like certain times I'm just be like, eh, I don't feel like it. I use certain tricks to get myself motivated, uh, buy new gear. I'll run somewhere new. I'll sign myself up for something which forces me. Uh, do you have any like type of motivational tricks like that? Yeah, those things are great. Um, I do all of those things. <laughs> um, the other thing, like, Run with a friend. I think running with a friend is the easiest source of motivation. Mm -hmm. um, that's my like number one secret, not not so secret secret. Um, podcasts, listen to a podcast, music, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but also, like you said, going to a new place um, is a good way to keep it exciting and um, reward yourself with gear. Buy new shoes, sign mm -hmm. up for a race. If you're going to run with a friend, would you run with a faster friend or a slower friend? So, uh, it depends. Um, it depends on like what you're trying to achieve in that run. So I have, so I'm, I'm in Boulder and I'm surrounded by mostly people who are faster than me. Mm. Um, and so I like have to be very careful with who I choose to run with and when, like I'm running with Olympic medalists and professional athletes and elite runners and, um, and people who aren't professional or elite. And so like, I'll, I'll time, I, I usually run with someone probably for 75% of the week. Um, and so I have like a Tuesday friend, I have a Thursday friend, I have a Friday mm. friend, um, stuff like that. And, uh, that works out pretty well. Uh, do you tend to do the same like trails or, or running with the, like if you're Tuesday friend, do you guys do the same loop every time or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the same distances and everything. Yep. Oh, okay. Um, so what happens if one of you is like, Hey, let's go a little farther or let's do a little, or you both have like a, a routine that you're following. Yeah. I mean, sometimes one of us will have, you know, two or four more miles or less miles. Uh, so that person will either start before or run, run longer. Um, but it's, it's generally, generally easy to match, match up. Mm. What's the most uh, common running question that you get? On the podcast or just in general? In general, like people DMing you, people like you meet in regular life. Yeah, it's a lot of nutrition stuff. And I always pivot because I don't have any nutrition credentials. <laughs> and I don't think that people with without nutrition credentials should answer nutrition related questions. So like, again, like I have the privilege of working for Insight Tracker and huh. like that answers many of my questions like, what do I do about nutrition questions? Mm -hmm. um, 
from a science focused approach, but outside of outside of nutrition, it's often a lot of shoe related questions and it, it always depends. Like, I can't tell you what kind of shoe you should run in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should go to a running store and have somebody look at your gait. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are, you know, doing these shoe reviews, like it's good to learn about shoes, but you should step in the shoe or you should like have someone look at your running form mm-hmm. and they should tell you what kind of shoe you should be in. Um, and then, yeah, those are, those are the two most common. Do you find a lot of times, sometimes I feel like when people ask me running questions, a lot of them are like stall tactics. What like, mean? like they're looking for They're looking for an answer when really the answer is just like, just go out and run. Like a lot of the times it's like the simplest question. So it's like, yeah. Like how do I get better? Run yeah. More. Like, how, yeah. Run more, like run faster. Like, or like, I wish I, uh, the one I get all the time that I complain about on here is like, uh, I wish I was a runner like you, but I'm just not a runner. And I'm just like, yeah. I, you have legs. You're a runner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that one bothered me. And it's just like, people spend so much time and, and running is one of the things too, that people spend so much time overthinking it that right. it's literally like we were born and then we started, we started walking and then we started running and it's literally, you just ran. And that was it. You didn't ask like when you, when you were a kid and you were two what years old, shoes do I yeah. need mom? Yeah. Do I, what do I do? And you just ran. <laughs> I need the, the size three alpha flies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that does get confusing. We've had, I've had guests on where they like walk me through shoes but I do agree that you have to go out there and like try different ones on and don't get attached to one thing. I don't, I'll be honest. And this probably comes um, from my writer background. I don't really believe half the stuff I read on the internet anyway. Good. Like I'm going to be honest, like I've done, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention any places, but I've done quote unquote reviews where like I haven't even touched product. <laughs> it's, it's just like that's not how they roll and i'm like you don't want me to like t- nope just right I'm, I'm literally like reading it's scary so i would suggest yes everybody go out there and try their own stuff out um this one's my favorite question uh because we sometimes get deep on this uh do you like proving other people wrong or proving yourself right uh the latter all right so you like proving yourself right yeah okay um I don't feel like I've got a lot to prove. I think that like I run to see what I can do versus like, I don't think there are a lot of haters out there, <laughs> at least like in my world, uh, which is a good thing, I guess. Um, yeah. For me, it's, it's more, um, it's more about shooting my shot and like seeing what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a little bit different for you because you do, I mean, you're, with people who run all day long. I mean, that's part of right. your job. I think when people get out into the world and they start talking to people who don't understand the lifestyle or the culture to it, and they come across people who are just like, well, why would you want to do that? You know, like, why do you want to go run a hundred miles? I can't even drive that far. <laughs> right, right. And you start hearing those things. And I think people start to second guess themselves. Like, am I crazy here? Like, what, right, right, should I be doing that? So I feel like sometimes like people have to do this kind of stuff to prove other people wrong or at least go, you know, like just cause you couldn't do it. Doesn't mean I yeah. can't. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel that. Um, what motivates you to want to be better? The process of getting better. I love, I love like reflecting and seeing like how far I've come. Like I, so I blew up at Boston uh, last week and 
I also had a pretty bad Boston 2017, but I still finished 25 minutes faster than the last time I had a terrible day at Boston, which is progress. Like Mm. my, my, you know, blow up pace improved by a minute. (laughs) Right. So yeah, for me, it's like, I really just enjoy looking back and seeing like what is now easy used to be hard mm-hmm. and and what is now hard will at some point be normal and again that applies to life mm. like i'm i'm in sales and i can objectively look at the fact that like what i'm doing now is like 30 times what i was doing 6 years ago and like that's a cool reflection and it's exact same comparison to running mm. um with with that tangible progress and like leveling up. Do you think a lot of people would be more motivated if they did kind of go crunch the numbers and look at their old stuff? I mean, I'm sure not a lot of people pour pour over it. Good. Yeah. I think some would, and some wouldn't care. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, like, cause you said you're like, you're in sales and you know, like you look at sales numbers. I just feel like if people went back and were like, Oh, like, for example, let's take me. I ran the the 10K today. Maybe falls when I run better. Maybe cold weather is when I run better. Like if I right. went and went to go look at those things and be like, oh, well, yeah. So last October, I had a pretty fast October then too. So maybe that's my thing. I feel like maybe if people paid a little bit more attention to that, because I feel like there's a lot of runners out there who just are like, that's what I did today and that's it. And then I've forgotten it. And then I don't know right. anything else anymore. Like I kind of knew in my head that I was running better than I had run. So I knew I was like, I'm probably pretty close to breaking something here, which yeah. motivated me to run more. And you know, what really motivated me. I poorly timed a traffic light and like, <laughs> I was a little bit farther away. It was a yellow and like I was, and the cars were red and I just like sprinted <laughs> way across like really fast. And then that kept my momentum up for like another half mile. So that like kind of helped, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but I think if people went back and looked at their old stuff, I feel like that would help a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, do you keep, they've improved. Yeah, do you keep any like? Uh, do you use like Run Tracker or any like any of those types of? Um, so I use Strava, and and okay. with my coach, I have uh, like a training log uh, mm. in Google. Does he, is, it, is it a he or she? Your coach? He. He. Does he ever bring up your old stuff and be like, "Hey, man, last this time last year"? Um, not really. He's less of a tangible numbers guy and more of like. How are we feeling? How are we doing? That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And real quick about getting on uh, or getting people to coach you. Um, would you suggest like a person who vibes more with you personally or a person who you know is going to get results? I think it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it, it totally depends. Mm-hmm. Um, how packed are you for, for your stuff? What do you mean? Like all your stuff for moving. Are you like, are you, are you oh, oh, 75% packed. packed? Are you 80% packed? So I've only lived here for five months. So I haven't accumulated that much stuff. And okay. so, like I said, I I'm splitting time between here and Boston. Uh-huh. So like I basically started new out here. And, okay. Um, so it's really just furniture, kitchen stuff and clothes. And okay. so I'm like, I packed four boxes yesterday and I feel like I'm like 50% of the way there. Okay. Cause I, so, cause some people are like the last minute I was literally like packing the day of, 
Yeah, I mean, I move tomorrow and I'll be packing. I started packing yesterday and I'll finish today. Uh-huh. As the guys are like waiting, they're standing there waiting for boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, we're closing the truck up now. Like, <laughs> last call. Um, and so you're in tomorrow. You're in there tomorrow. How, how long of a move is it? Like, oh, you're only 10 minutes. That's right. Just 10, 10 minutes. minutes yeah. 10 minutes down the road. So it won't be that bad. Yeah. Uh, this is your first house, right? Yep. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That That's definitely like now, like thinking back to Boston, like that's a lot of stress. Your first house. Yeah. That is a lot of stress. Yeah, I didn't realize how difficult the process was. Yeah, that's that's it. That's an insane amount of stress. I must have so. sent the same the same document to the lenders like sixty five times. Like, <laughs> at one point, I was like, "Am I sending the wrong thing?" Because I you've asked for this six times, and mm-hmm. they actually said yes. We actually have been asking for a different document. And I was like, "You weren't going to tell me." I was just like banging my head against the wall because of this. So yeah, it's it's a crazy process, but I, I, they're giving you a ton of money. So yeah, they should ask the right questions. All right. So for your next race, don't move anywhere. All right. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> I hope to not be moving for quite a while. Yeah. I say that too. And then I like every two years, I'm like, well, you bought a house and so you're different. I I'm renting right now. So mine changes a little bit, but, yeah. but you well, bought, I lived in the same rental for six years. So, mm-hmm. um, and then one year and then five months. So hopefully yeah. it's time to reverse that trend. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to be better prepped at a time. Yeah. yeah. Stay, stay there for a while. Unpack some stuff. Yep. <laughs> get, get some, get some, get some furniture. Yeah. Yeah, get some time in there yep. <laughs> and yep. you should be good. And then you can plan all your marathons and your uh, ultras around that. Yes. Um, tell everybody else where they can find your podcast and uh, find you online. Everything. The podcast is for the long run. Uh, and I'm at JW Levitt on social Twitter uh, and Instagram. A lot of dogs running and food. Oh, there you go. So everybody, when they're done listening to this, go over there and listen uh, to Jonathan's. There you go. We should be good to go. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Of course. And that, my friends, is the show for this week. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Jonathan Levitt. Check him out on Instagram. It's at JWLevitt, L-E-V-I-T-T. Or you can listen to his podcast for the long run. Uh, you can find it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please remember to share the show, share it with friends, fellow runners, sit around with your running group and listen to it. Um, Maybe listen to it out loud on a subway or somewhere so people can hear it (laughs) anywhere you want to promote the show. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, I'm going to put a call out there. Um, Anybody who wants to be on the show, you know, you don't have to be a professional runner to be on the show and talk to me about running. If, If you've had if running has had a profound impact on your life, I want to talk to you. So uh, reach out to me. Um, you can reach out uh, numerous ways. Email, DM. Uh, you can find me online. The, the, the website is werunthispod.com. You can find all the information there on how to get in touch with me. And yeah, let's talk. Let's maybe sit down and uh, have you on the podcast. How would that be? I'd enjoy it. Would you enjoy it? Eh, we're going to find out. Uh, until next week, everybody take care. And I will... Uh, See you all out on the road.